0: Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Doesn't that music make you want to dance a little bit? I'm like, let's go, right? Howdy. Welcome to Faith Church. Glad that you're here. Not sure where your mind is today. Not sure where your heart is on your journey of walking in faith. I'm not sure where your journey is leading you. Some people in our midst today have been walking with Jesus for a really long time. Some people are just exploring you and everywhere in between. I am so thankful that with all the questions and thoughts about God and what it looks like to follow him, there's a simple statement that the Bible makes that summarizes who God is. It says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. This statement is repeated throughout the Old Testament. It's said over and over and over again, sort of as a summary statement, a thesis statement of who is God? Because there's this question that looms everywhere, who is God? Where is God? What is God like? It's all of us thinking all the time, and the Bible answers that question by saying it multiple times. This is who the Lord is. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Repeat, the Lord is compassionate. Like it says it over and over and over again. And the Bible not only says this, but I personally have experienced this. I've experienced God with me being compassionate. I've experienced God being gracious, God being patient, God being loving. It's not only something the Bible says, I've personally experienced it. And maybe you have As well, And so it's so great last week that Melissa reminded us that at the intersection of our honesty and God's graciousness, that's where we change, right? If we could actually be honest about our brokenness, honest about our rebellion, honest about how we give in to temptation, honest about our struggles, honest about our heartaches, when we're honest before God, that doesn't bring shame. It actually brings this intersection of change because we bump into a God who's compassionate. Well, why would we need a God who's compassionate unless we need compassion? Why why would we need a God who's slow to anger unless we were crazy and doing things all kinds of wack ways and we needed a God who's patient? It's when I'm honest about my sin, at that intersection of who God is and my honesty, that's where change begins to happen for you and me. And we've been talking about this all summer, that this is God's disposition towards us, that God wants to bless you and me and every person on planet Earth. His blessing is just his divine favor, that God is divinely, shows a divine favor towards those he creates. And you ask, well, how does that happen? What does that look like? This is what it looks like. The God of the universe is blessing you because you and I, because he's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. You're blessed by God. And you might think to yourself, well, you don't know my life, Joe. Actually, if you knew me and knew my life, you'd go, you're not blessed. I would disagree. you got, you know, Joe, you don't know all the people in the world that are suffering, all the poverty, all the difficulty, all the persecution. How are those people who are facing such tragedy, such trauma, such heartache, how are those people blessed? God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love in every way, at every moment, just that I am alive and you're alive today, that you and I are created in the image of God, that you and I have the ability to process things and make decisions about our lives. This is God's blessing, that no matter what dark hole or difficulty you experience, you are blessed by God and can experience his goodness. There is oxygen in the world today, There are good things and blessings everywhere if you would have eyes to see them. You see, we we don't think we're blessed because we try to put conditions on what blessing looks like. I'm blessed if this happens, when the God of the universe says, you're blessed because the sun rose today. I'm blessed only with health. You're blessed because you have oxygen This is the simple way of just processing, boy, God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love everywhere, all the time to you and me. And this blessing isn't just intended to stop with you and me. So it's so easy to look at God's blessing and go, it's for me, it's mine. Instead of seeing, no, everything I receive from God, his compassion, his grace, his patience, his love. It's been entrusted to me not to stay in my hand, but for me to give it to other people, for me to extend it to other people. See, what's fascinating about this statement about God is I want God to be compassionate with me and patient with me, but I don't want him to be compassionate and gracious with you or my political enemy or the person that makes me mad. I want this for me, but not for you and for others. And that makes us stingy. If God has blessed you and put in your hands compassion and grace and patience and kindness, if he's been forgiving and kind to you, but you're unwilling to extend that to someone else, you're stingy. He entrusted it to you and me to give it away to other people, but I just want to cancel people. I just want to choke people out. I just want to be embittered and unforgiveness and stuck doing my own thing. And God's like, I gave you grace, and you compassion, and you mercy, and I've been patient with you, but you won't be patient with someone else? You'll choke them out and cancel them and throw them away? That's being stingy with the abundance of God. And he goes, no, that's not my design for you. That's a side note, not even what we're talking about today, but just extra. So I want you to imagine, it's all going to tie together. Just wait. I just want you to imagine for a moment, uh, you've watched a movie Or a TV program where the scene is you're sitting in this really dark room and there's a screen in front of you. It's like a secret agent or a person in the army watching this screen and it's a radar screen that's circling, right? Green, have you seen this before? Green, it's circling, circling, circling. The radar is scanning the world for a threat, and there's someone sitting there looking intently at the screen, what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen, scanning, 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 and all of a sudden the plane comes in. What happens when that plane comes in as it's being scanned, scanned, scanned? Boy, the room changes automatically, right? It's like it moves from quiet to all the alarms ring, and everybody's moving, and they're releasing the flights to shoot this down, and missiles, because you can't have this threat, right, that's coming at this target, You're threatened, and so you have to release the missiles and nuclear war, right? You have this scene in your mind, have you watched this before on TV, where it's like it goes from quiet, just watching the screen, to DEFCON 1, right, and we're releasing the missiles, right? I think when you come to church, many of us act like this, that we're scanning, scanning, scanning our radar is up what's the pastor going to say what are they going to teach from stage radar 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 and if they say anything about certain topics you are going to unleash defcon 1 on me right and especially if i start talking about money you're going to go oh my gosh you're talking about money in church here we go hold on to your wallets right this is what happens right You're scanning, 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 and all of a sudden, they're talking about money, and you're ready to release nuclear war on the pastor because you can't be targeted like this. Threat, 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 threat. I just want to tell you today, we're going to talk about money, and if if you're at DEFCON 1 right now, I mean this in the kindest way, you should probably leave right? Turn off your online stream, just because what a waste of time for spending the next 30 minutes holding onto your wallet at DEFCON 3 or DEFCON 1. Life is too short for you to live that way. And so if right now you're at DEFCON 1 because I'm talking about money, then it's waste of your time to stay here. Please leave. But if you're willing to listen for a moment that maybe the Bible has something to say to you about how to be blessed and to see your money as a gift from God, that God has designed every aspect of who we are and has something to say about every instance in our lives. And if we would just submit to him, he has blessing and goodness for us in his design. So before you get to COM 1, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9, and maybe we should pray because I feel the missiles already. (laughs) 2 Corinthians chapter 9. God, I pray today that we would hear from you. I pray that I wouldn't say anything that doesn't please you. May the words in my mouth and the meditation in my heart be pleasing in your sight. May we hear and have open hearts to hear from you, that you have a design for every aspect of life and you have a design for our money. And so right now, may we have the opportunity to see your purpose in money and find your blessing in our generosity. I pray this in Christ's name, amen. So before we tackle 2 Corinthians chapter nine and sort of the benefits of being generous, just wanna recircle back to some things we've talked about of why we would be generous. And this is sort of throughout the Bible. One of the reasons, main reason we're generous, this is a theme throughout the Bible. What do you have that you did not receive? Like, the the premise of the Bible, the foundation of the Bible, is that we have received everything from God, that nothing we have is ours, that God has put in your life relationships, that God has given you a brain, that God has given you skills, that God has given you health, God has given you time, God has given you forgiveness, God has given you money. Everything you have has been put in your hands By God, what do you have that you have not received is a foundational thought. And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? It is so easy for us to see everything is mine. This is my son, my wife, my house, my car, my health, my relationships, my 401k, my savings account, my Venmo account. This is mine. Everything is mine. Even if we would think that we received everything from God, we do act and boast as if it's ours, and we act and live as if we get to do whatever we want and we're independent with it. Instead of seeing, no, everything we have is a gift from God, he's put it in our hands. This is foundational to what I'm about to talk about. Some of the benefits that come from being generous is seeing why are we generous? We are generous with our money because God has been generous to us. I mean, our God has been so generous to us and has blessed us in immeasurable ways everywhere we look if we have eyes to see. And instead of going, I'm entitled to this and I expect that, if we would actually lift up our heads and see all the ways God has blessed us and given us good things, that we realize how absolutely generous he is. And when I see God's generosity towards me, the reason I'm generous towards others is he's first been generous to me. We love because he first loved us. He's been generous with love towards us, and now we're generous with love towards every. And that's true of every aspect of life. This is the premise. This is the background. We have a generous God. Let's jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through your generosity, it will result in thanksgiving to God. Paul's talking to the church in Corinth. Among the people he writes this letter to, there are rich people, there are middle-class people, there are poor people in all different maturity levels and all different sizes and shapes, and he's talking to them about collecting money for a city named Jerusalem that's 800 miles away, a group of people they'll never know or never see. He's talking to them about something that's going to change their lives. And he's, he's, he's giving them insight into a group of people that are struggling that they'll never meet or never see. And so imagine him getting up in front. If I got up in front of you and said, 800 miles away, there's a group of people that are struggling and I want you to give and take up a collection for those people. You would shoot me down and with nuclear bombs and be like, shoot them down. No way I could care less. Someone else should give. Someone else should help. Someone else should do something about it. If I told you about people you would never meet, you'd be quick to go, you know what? Unnecessary, we're not giving to that. Well, Paul is saying to this group of people, there's those in need in Jerusalem and we should give money to them to ensure they're doing okay. It would be easy for them to shoot it down. But instead, he says, I want you to be generous to them. Interesting, Jerusalem, where this is happening, where they need people, where this is going on, is the place where Jesus died and rose again. Remember, Jesus died and rose again in Jerusalem. Imagine if the people in Jerusalem would think, you know what, people around the globe don't need to know about Jesus. Who cares about the people in Corinth? I don't give a rip about them. If they would do that, they would never hear about Jesus. But instead, the people in Jerusalem took what they knew about Jesus and carried it to another place. This good news was shared and spread with other people. And so Paul's now saying, you know, it's time for us to see other people, no matter what you understand or know, whether you'll ever meet them again, it would be great for you to be generous. And that's why he says to them, you may never know these people, but remember, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, God loves a cheerful giver, and God will bless you abundantly. So in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge a harvest of righteousness for you. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. These people they may never meet and may never know He's saying, you can be generous to them. And I just kind of want to break this down because there's all kinds of benefits that we can see in this passage. He says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He's using farming terms. Like if you have a little bit of seed and you plant a little bit of seed, then you're gonna get a little bit of harvest. But if you have a lot of seed and plant a lot of seed, the chances are you're gonna get a lot of harvest. He's saying, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That God has entrusted so much to you and me. But if we hold back what he's entrusted to us and we don't sow it, give it, invest it, use it to be generous to other people, then we're missing out on this benefit that God wants to grow and do through us. When you are generous with Others, God will be generous to you. And we see this throughout the Bible. When you take whatever has been given to you, whether it's a lot of it or a little bit, whatever it is, you take what he's given to you and you use it, God will be generous to you. Now, I know people could look at this and go, well, what does this mean, Joe? Are you saying that if I give more, I get more? Is that what you're advocating? It's like, no, 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 that's not it at all. It's not give more to get more. It's if God has been generous to you, You're to be generous with other people, and when you're generous with other people, he will be generous to you. Look at closely at verses 8. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you want, having all you dream of, having all you hope for. No, he says, having all that you need that God promises to give you all that you need. Or verse 10, he says, now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will supply you and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your bank account, your retirement. No, he says it will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. When we give generously, we gain more of God, his point is. It isn't we give more to get more money Give more to get a nicer house. Give more to get better health. Give more to gain more for me. It's I give more so that I get more of God and he promises to supply all your needs. Not necessarily all your wants, all your needs. He continues, he says, each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. I like this because this is very thoughtful. This isn't impulse. This isn't warm and fuzzy feelings. This is, you make a conscious decision. What you have decided in your heart, what you've decided in your budget, what you've thought about, talked about, you give that, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Interesting. When we talk about money, remember the radar's going up? Money, you're scanning, you scanning. If for one moment you might let the radar turn off and you hear somebody has a need and you decide to give, sometimes it's giving reluctantly or under compulsion. You've never done that, right? Where you feel pressure to give, where you're like, well, I guess I have to give to those little kids that don't have water, ah, crud, every month, there goes $13.95, right? Or like, hey, they get up every week at church and say, hey, all the ways of giving. So I guess, you know, probably if I divide my seat times all the people that come to Faith Church, I bet you I gotta pay like $9.99 a month in the offering to make sure I pay for my space. I guess I have to reluctantly. Can you imagine if the God of the universe gave out of compulsion and reluctancy to you? Can you imagine If God was like, well, you know what? They kind of need my son, but I'm not really sure. I mean, I guess, Jesus, I guess if you have to go. (laughs) Die on a crud. What? Like, are you kidding me? Or really, Joe's asking for forgiveness again? How many times have I forgiven him already? Well, I guess because I'm slow to anger and abounding in love and compassionate, I'll forgive him again. Crud, like another time right? Can you imagine if God was like that towards you and me? And yet, how many times do we find ourselves being that way with our generosity? And he's holding up in front of us and saying, no, there's a way to give that's generous. And when you're actually generous, it will result in joy. When you're generous, you experience joy. And if you're not experiencing joy, then I wonder if you're actually being generous. You might be giving, but you might actually not be generous. The reason we're generous is to people we're, we love. When, when I get joy, so I think about my mom. I love my mom to death, she's my hero. And when I find something really cool for her for Mother's Day or for her birthday, it gives me great joy, right? Instead of, it's Mother's Day. Crap, mom, I gotta buy her a gift, right? Like, that's, that. no, I love my mom. I care greatly about my mom. And so I would love to give her good gifts. If in your giving, you're not experiencing joy, it's actually a question of love. And so you go, God, I want to love you with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind and love my neighbor as myself. Help me to love you with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind and love. And when you love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind and you love people, you find joy in giving. And if you don't find joy of giving, track down what you love. It's interesting because actually the joy you have in giving is directly connected to the joy you have in God. If you have no joy or love for God, you likely have no joy and love for giving. And so follow that, track that down, see what that is. And God is able to bless you. He says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is verse eight. I've heard uh, pastors preach on this and kind of rip this verse out of context and say to people, hey, followers of Jesus, guess what? God's able to bless you abundantly so that you'll have all that you need, having everything you want, and abound in every good work. And they rip this out of context forgetting verse six and verse seven. Right, And so it's super important to go back to verse six, which says, God has entrusted so much to you. He's generously put so much in your hands. Are you being generous with what you've been given? Because if you're generous with what you're given, not with expectation or compulsion, but with joy, then God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It's connected together that when I give out of my generosity and connection to who God is, and I do it joyfully, he promises to bless us abundantly. Now, sometimes I'm not generous because I'm stingy, right? Sometimes I'm not generous because I just wanna keep everything for myself. Sometimes I'm not generous because I'm afraid. Have you been there? Where you're worried about your finances or you're worried about your future, and so you're like, "Ah, I don't know if I can be generous because I'm not nervous. Like, how am I gonna pay this month's bills? Or, you know, like, medical expenses are so high right now. Or, man, I'm 60, 70, 80 years old, and how am I gonna afford my health care, and I don't want to be a burden on my family, and i got to have enough for retirement. And so sometimes I'm not generous because I'm afraid. And verse 8 helps me that if I've decided in my heart what to give, and I'm doing it joyfully, not out of compulsion, I can trust that God is able to bless me abundantly so that all things, at all times, having everything I need, he's going to take care of me. He always takes care of his sons and daughters. He's never going to let you down. Never. Think back to the times where you thought I couldn't pay my bills, did you? Think back to the times where you weren't able to make it. You're like, how are we going to get through? And it was peanut butter and jelly for a week, but you made it, right? Like, it's okay, you're here, everything's good, because God is never going to let his children down. When you're generous, God will supply all your needs. Maybe not all your wants, maybe not all your wildest dreams, That's not what he promises. He says, consider the lilies. Look at how they grow. Consider the sparrows. I take care of them, and you're worth much more than them. So do not worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. Your heavenly Father will take care of it. He never lets his sons and daughters down. It may not look like what you expect, but he never lets you down. And then he goes on and says in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way. So that you become generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Again, verse 11 is built on the same concept. It's God has entrusted so much to you, whatever he's entrusted to you, if you're generous with it, not out of compulsion, with a bad attitude, but with joy, he's gonna take care of all your needs and when that all happens, it's gonna result in praise and honor to you You're gonna get your name on a plaque? You're gonna give thanks? No, to God. You see, true generosity from the son or daughter of God is not about you or me. It's not about us getting accolades or pats on the back or a plaque, right? It's about praise and glory and honor to God. So imagine this group of people in Corinth. They're giving to people they don't even know who they are. They'll never meet them. When that money reaches Jerusalem, gets to Jerusalem, and they go, wow, there's people that live 800 miles away that gave this money so that we could eat today? Only the God of the universe who's real and alive could change hearts and open hands to give money to people you don't even know. That brings praise and honor and glory to God. And so this is amazing. It's not about you or me being any praise. It's not about us getting any credit. And if you're looking for credit, are you really being generous? If you're looking for credit, are you being generous? So I think about how you give here, Faith Church. There's no way you'll ever know about the people whose lives have been changed and your name won't be associated with it, but you're helping and changing the lives of people right now. We're working on starting to translate a Bible in an unreached people group in Southeast Asia. You're never gonna, I'm never gonna meet these people. Because this brings praise and honor and glory to God. When we invest in mental health in our community or help people in our church family that are struggling to pay their rent, nobody's gonna know your name because it's not about you. It's about you being changed by Christ that whatever he puts in your hands, you use it to bless other people and other people's lives are changed and God, not you, gets glory. There's a story in Mark chapter 12 it's pretty famous. Jesus is a people watcher. Did you know that Jesus is a people watcher? Jesus likes just kind of sitting around watching people. Do some of you do that? I'm the only freak that does that? No, no, you, I see you, yeah. Lots of people watchers. Jesus is at the temple and he's people watching. He's kind of scanning the crowd and he sees a bunch of people putting in large amounts of money into the offering. And then he sees this one woman, a poor woman, put two small coins that aren't worth anything into the treasury. And he makes this comment. He says, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. I find this interesting because Jesus seems to be wanting to teach us something about two different categories of giving He says there are people that give out of their wealth and then this person gave out of her poverty. Someone gives out of wealth and someone gives out of poverty. Which one does he commend? He commends the person that gives out of poverty. What does this mean? I think what I find interesting about this is it's less about what they gave and how much they gave. It was what they had left over after they gave. What does she have left over after? Well, She doesn't have nothing. She's got God. She doesn't count on her own wealth. She doesn't count on her own abilities. She doesn't count on her 401k and her own strength. She's given out of her poverty, out of being poor in spirit and realizing I have nothing and everything I have is from God. And when I have God, I have everything. Versus the person that's like, you know what, I'm wealthy, and I can give a portion to God, but look at all I get to keep that's mine afterwards. Look at all I have after I've given. I have plenty for me, and I remain wealthy. But yeah, God, here's a little piece for you, a small portion of what I have in total. That's for you. The rest is all mine. One gives out of wealth One gives out of poverty. One has wealth, and one has poverty. Which one has God? I'm not here to answer that question. Both could have God, but she, in her poverty, gave all that she had to live on, and which one is commended? So I I look at all this, and if today you're shooting me down with missiles, like if you just brought DEFCON 1 and you're still at DEFCON 1 right now, like I get it, but I just, from experience, I've just seen over and over and over again, where I personally go to DEFCON 1 on a subject, it's usually because I'm trying to protect myself. So track with me. If you go to DEFCON 1 and you have to blast people out of the sky because they're talking about your money, it's probably because you're self-centered and stingy. It's probably because you're holding on tightly to your resources and you feel threatened. So you have to go to DEFCON 1 to keep everything away from you. But I would just encourage you, like God of the universe has so much more for you than that. And so if everything he has, he's put in your hand, he's put your wealth and he's put your relationships and he's put your health and he's put your intellect and and your education and your sons and daughters and your husbands and wives and every relationship and every situation, he's put it in your hand. He's placed it there your oxygen, everything he's put in your hand, and you do this to it? You're protecting it and keeping it as if it's yours? What's controlling what? If I got my hand like this, can I do anything? I think I'm controlling, but I'm crushing. And what I'm crushing is crushing me. I'm so anxious, I have to so hold on to, I have to protect, I have to keep, I have to be anxious, I have to manage, I have to, I have to, I have to. What if you would just open up your hand? Here's what's incredible. God wants to put money in your hand, and guess what? When he puts money in your hand, buy a pair of fresh Jordans. Like, there's no problem. Christianity doesn't say you can't buy fresh Jordans or cool clothes. Nobody's saying that. When he puts money in your hand, go out to dinner. Chick-fil-A is going to open. Like, put a, go out to dinner. Like, get some Chick-fil-A sauce, right? Like, when he puts good things in your hand, go on vacation. Have a hobby. Play golf. Enjoy life. When he puts things in your hand, enjoy life. But when he puts things in your hand, invest in your retirement and keep money in savings. The Bible teaches that. That's a good thing. Don't do this. When he puts it in your hand... Use it, spend it, enjoy it, invest it, save it, and give it away. It's all of that. But if you do this, how can he put more in your hand? If you do this, how is he gonna put more? Where is he gonna put it? If you do this, you use it, you invest it, you enjoy it, you save it, and you give it away. And he's got a place to put more. He's got a place to put more. And so I just wanna encourage you, if you're DEFCON 1, it's because you're doing this. Can I ask you to consider doing this? Can I ask you to consider this? Maybe you've been giving reluctantly and out of compulsion. I would just encourage you to think about what do you love? If you're giving out of reluctancy and out of compulsion and duty because you think you have to, it's because love is missing. And so ask God to increase your love. Increase your love for him and increase your love for other people. And as your love increases, your generosity will increase. And as your generosity and love increase, so will your joy. Maybe you're giving because you're trying to get something from God like it's some sort of exchange. Can I tell you if you're giving to get something from God, that's false teaching. That's not true. That's not what the Bible says. You cannot give to get from God and think he's going to give you riches or wealth or wisdom or health. That is not it. You give to get more of God. And when he gives more of himself to you, you have everything you need Right? And maybe you're giving because you want honor and respect and you want someone to recognize you. If you're doing that, you're actually not being generous. You're building your own portfolio and you're giving your money away so that you get recognition and people recognize and applaud you to grow more of yourself. That's not generosity. You give to build honor for God. I, I simply say it this way. We give generously to be like God and to honor him. This is the simplest way I could say, it. why should we be generous? Because he's been so generous to us. And if you haven't experienced his generosity, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray with you. People at works or chat up with us on the line. If you're like, there's no way God's been generous to me, please ask us that question because we'd like to help you see how generous he's been with every single person. He's been so generous to you. And when you see that and experience it, I wanna be like God. I'm his son, you're his daughter. We're supposed to grow up to be like him, to look like him. And if he's generous, then I wanna be generous, right? And when I'm generous like him, I honor him it makes him happy. It brings him praise and glory that he would take a stingy guy like me or a stingy lady like you and make us generous. How does that happen? What does that look like? Only a God who loves me so much and has forgiven me so much and has been so generous to me could make this stingy guy generous. And this is where pastors and preachers get off we give generously to be like God and to honor him. And here's what I know. I know that if you actually follow God's plan for money, he's gonna bless you. Here's where we have to stop though. I don't know what that's gonna look like. I can't tell you what that means. I can't say, well, he's gonna bless you by fill in the blank. No, 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 no. I just know that when sons and daughters obey their parents, there's blessing. When sons and daughters of God obey their dad and live for his design and honor him because he's generous, he's going to bless you. I don't know what that looks like, but I want God's divine favor, don't you? So open hands. God, please today, help us with open hands to receive breath and give it away, to give, receive forgiveness and to give it away. Receive talents and skills and education And give it away. Receive money from working hard and give it away. Receive hope and give it away. Receive a smile and a hug and give it away. Everything we have is to be used for you because everything is from you and to you and through you. So make us generous people. God, to the extent that we're not joyful, in our generosity, increase our love, increase our love for you, increase our love for people. God, thank you for being so kind to us. May the family of God at Faith Church be the most generous people in the Lehigh Valley. In Christ's name, amen.